Hey, I'm Jana, the little sister. And I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, we get ourselves into a sticky situation. And like a Hallmark movie, we jump to conclusions way too soon. But it's never too early to take a look at the SRBB headlines. Lon Kruger, University of Oklahoma basketball coach, announced his retirement after 45 years in coaching. Kruger has spent the past 10 years with the Sooners. As a college head coach, he went to 20 NCAA tournaments and made two Final Four appearances. He is just one of three coaches to lead five different programs to the NCAA tournament, along with Rick Pitino and Tubby Smith. Saying his body isn't keeping up with his mind, Pitcher Gio Gonzalez has announced his retirement from baseball. Over his 13-year career, he pitched for six teams, including the Chicago White Sox in the 2020 season. Current Minnesota Twins bench coach and former head of player development for the Diamondbacks, Mike Bell, has died of cancer. Just diagnosed during the offseason, he underwent surgery in January. Bell was drafted by the Rangers in 1993, finally making it to the majors in 2000, playing 19 games for the Reds. He found his place and left his mark in player development. Bell comes from a baseball family. Grandfather Gus played 15 years in the majors. His dad, Buddy, played and managed 27 years in the majors and is part of the Reds organization. And his brother, David, is the Reds manager. Mike passed away at his home in Arizona. He was 46. There it goes. A long drive. If it stays fair, home run. The announcer who called Carlton Fisk 12th inning Game 6 home run in the 1975 World Series, along with nearly 1,600 other games, is turning off his microphone. Dick Stockton is retiring after 55 years of calling every sport from the Olympics to March Madness, the NBA, NHL, PGA, and the NFL. He plans to spend his retirement playing golf, tennis, and traveling for the first time in 50 years. You can find these and past week's headlines on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com. Remember to rate and subscribe wherever you listen. And tell a friend to listen to the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Oh my goodness, you know what today is? I do. It's opening day. We're so excited. It is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's so incredible. And we're actually having opening day on opening day. I, it's like such Not a crazy concept. Four months later. But it's happening. There you go. MLB trying something new. Yep. Uh, and of course, they're trying to do other weird things. We talked last week about all of the experiments they're going to be running on the players hooking wires up to their temples and stuff (laughs) and in the experimental leagues i mean minor leagues so they're going to be doing all that stuff and that comes up soon we talked a little bit that last week this week though we're going to talk about a couple other things another deal that mlb of course is doing because they want to try to preserve the integrity of the game and create more offense so we'll get to that a little bit later we're going to talk about what the, the dodgers look like starting today the angels look like starting today and of course a sweep around the league and we'll jump to some conclusions right now mlb is taking another route to change the game and like i said they they say they're increasing their efforts to maintain the integrity of the game but we know it's just about trying to get more offense or tweak the game in a way that they think is going to make it better 
And now this isn't something that's new, what we're about to talk about. It is something that they brought up last season, but then the whole pandemic thing started and they just kind of pushed it to the back and said, we got, we got bigger problems. We'll do with that later. So for the first time, they didn't try to push that on top of something else and try to make it more important than what the focus should be. But what they're going to start doing is cracking down, like putting a full court press on illegal substances as it uh, relates to the baseball. I think we can owe this all back to when the Dodgers were playing the Brewers and Walker Bueller was pitching and Eduardo Perez, our favorite analyst on ESPN, got his rule book out and was telling us all about those foreign substances. He said, I was looking in my rule book and rule 6.02, section C, subsection 4, addresses foreign substances. <laughs> On and around the ball, or something like that. It was pretty, it was pretty spot on. That's the rule that they're going to be enforcing. From what I can figure out with all this, there will be increased monitoring by compliance officers, inspecting baseballs that are taken out of play. They're going to use a third party lab to check for illegal substances which means we should be fine because they had a hard enough time getting a third-party lab to do COVID testing <laughs> last year. And then they're also going to utilize spin rates. We'll get into that a little, a little more in a second. Compliance officers will collect balls from dugouts, bullpens, clubhouses, batting cages, and other areas of the ballpark to have them tested, you know, visually and then send them off. And then the league's going to use StatCast to analyze spin rates in different situations and compare them to career norms. One of the ways I know they talked about it is, is they may say the first pitch of the game, what's the spin rate on that one when it's a low leverage pitch? Then what's the spin rate on a high leverage pitch? Is there such a difference? I know people have talked about Trevor Bauer increasing his spin rate like a thousand RPM. Is he using something or... Is he just getting smarter and figuring out how to manipulate the baseball without? Or is it a combination of both? I don't put it above him to not use something. Because everybody, it's pretty common knowledge that pitchers are using that. And in fact, a lot of the hitters don't complain about it because they know it gives the pitchers more control of the baseball. So they're not going to get hit in the head with some of these pitches these pitchers are throwing 97 to 100 miles an hour the batters are happy they have more control so they're not complaining about it but if you look at a pitch coming at you like a fastball the, a fastball could be below league average but if it's got more spin to it it looks a lot faster than it is which is a problem for the league more of the substance and and that type of deception uh, more breaking balls and guys throwing 100 regularly are causing a lot of issues, cutting down on the offense, less balls in play. Yeah, you know, when you look at this rule, 6.02C, it says the pitcher shall not so spit on the ball on your hand or your glove or rub the ball on your glove, your person, or your clothing, apply a foreign substance of any kind to the ball, deface the ball so you can't put nicks in it or deliver a ball altered in a manner prescribed by rule 6.02c 2 through 5 
make sense of all of that. And now we have these deadened balls. So if you put something on the ball, could it juice up those deadened balls? How does that work? What about sunscreen on a hot day? Does that apply? It could because some of the concoctions are like a, a sunscreen resin concoction that helps. So that could be in the movie Major League during spring training. There's a scene where there's the veteran pitcher and the rookie pitcher. And the veteran pitcher takes off his uniform and he's got stuff on his chest and, you know, all over. And the guy and the other guy goes, what is that? And he goes, that's this and this, these different substances. And then he goes, or if the umpire is watching me real close, I just rub a little jalapeno uh, juice in my nose (laughs) and I get my nose running. And if I need a little something on the ball, I just... (laughs) I just uh, wipe my That's nose. Gross. <laughs> right. Well, he says you put snot on the ball, <laughs> but he's like, yeah, because it gives me another two to three inch on my curveball. And he goes, you know, I don't, I don't have this big major arm like you do. I got, I need all the help I can get. But when you think about it, throughout the years, there's always been the spitball was one of the first things, and they outlawed that. Yeah. Then they used to scuff the balls. So they could get a hold of them better and hold on to them, you know, in different ways, you know, so they or they call them a shine ball. So there's always been something. The pitchers have always been trying to do that. They've just found better ways with like the help of uh, Brian Bubba Harkins. 30 years, the guy was the opposing locker room manager and his concoctions became so famous that he got a text from... Garrett Cole asking for some help with that. Yeah. And apparently he's not the only one. Verlander, Max Scherzer, Felix Hernandez, Corey Kluber, Adam Wainwright are all guys who are have allegedly gone to him for some substance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some sticky stuff. And then, of course, there were Angel players who supposedly used it from legendary closer Troy Percival. Current opening day starter for the Angels, Dylan Bundy, was listed as uh, a player who had uh, asked for that concoction. That's, uh, I think they said his is like a resin and pine tar. So one of the things, too, that when you're looking at this, um, what MLB is doing is, you know, we know they want more offense but they don't want those home runs all the time where it's just home runs or you know they want more excitement I guess not that home runs aren't exciting but but there's nothing in between I think and like we talked about last week all those rules a lot of them are set to get people on base that on base percentage up to generate more excitement on the base paths, a stolen base or two. I mean, it's pretty exciting when somebody goes out, you know, when you saw Ricky Henderson or any of the prolific base runners steal second and then steal third. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. So I I get that and and more base hits and doubles can change the outlook. Well, one thing that I think when I look at everything that I have an issue with is this whole spin rate and using StatCast to analyze. We talk a lot about in baseball, there's a lot of teams that are analytics and they use that all the time. But now they're using StatCast to possibly punish players 
they're going to look at, like you mentioned, the spin rate analysis. Guys like Trevor Bauer, whose dad is an engineer and works on stuff like that. Like it, um, was it Driveline in Washington State? The pitchers go up there. What if you're really doing it honestly without something? Well, technically, it shouldn't come up if you're doing it honestly. Because think about this. Trevor Bauer pitches seven innings in a game. And in that seven innings, he has a couple of situations where he's in trouble and he's pitching out of it. And he uses this knowledge he's figured out, this this science that he's so passionate about, and increases spin rate beyond what they see as a normal change. If they take the ball out of play right then and test it, provide it, and that's the only thing. Are they just going to throw it all into a bucket of balls? They get mixed together. You've contaminated the sample. And you and I watch enough um, crime shows to know that's always an issue when you contaminate the sample you can't get a clear dna so now we can't use it right yeah right but if you took that one ball you put it in a box in a in a evidence baggie (laughs) tape it up (laughs) preserve the chain and it gets tested and there's nothing on it then that just shows right there he did it naturally but what's going to be the the thought process about it how are people gonna gonna react to it if they pull it out or they say look he's increased his uh, 1200 rpm he increased his his spin rate 1200 rpm between this pitch and that pitch and will they will they say if they see increased rpm between a couple of pitches does it have to be the same pitch or will they just call call it out on any pitch? Oh. Because it's different. Yeah. Because he throws a fastball at one set RPM and then goes up. But if he throws a curveball that has a different RPM, because all of them are going to be different spin rates. Well, with Trevor Bauer, his spin rates for last season went up um, an average from his from the 2019 season. Was he, was, is there some kind of foreign substance he was using? I have no idea. Was Garrett Cole really using something? Are the asterisks involved? Probably because they're always involved in it. Well, because Garrett Cole and, <laughs> and Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander were both right. asterisks. So it, it goes on from there. I mean, I, I get it. All <laughs> players seem to be doing this. It seems to be, um, Maybe maybe not an accepted practice, but everybody's kind of looking the other way. So this will be something we definitely need to keep our eye on to see if anybody gets caught. Yeah, and uh, Brian Harkins, he actually filed, he was fired by the Angels when this all, you know, came out. Um, and then he filed a defamation lawsuit against the Angels and MLB in August, but um, because he said he was the public scapegoat for foreign substances. I think people online were calling him a traitor, like Angels fans were calling him a traitor because he's the opposing, and, and Garrett Cole's the guy who asked him. But So they were all coming at him you know, pretty hard, like as, as people on social media right. do. He filed a lawsuit in August, 
and it was just thrown out of court. No, nothing for for Harkins. I, I wouldn't do anything to mess up that job. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's time for Dodger baseball. Very exciting today. The Dodgers taking on the Rockies up in Denver uh, for our pregame weather report for this series. We go to someone who lives in the region. Uh, that's you, Jana. I know. So it snowed um, like 30%. So, you know, just a little bit of snow and dusting. But today should be really nice. Should be about 70 degrees and sunny. And what about the rest of the weekend? The rest of the weekend is going to be fabulous. It's going to be like 74 and by Sunday, 80. Oh, no snow? I thought there was supposed to be snow like Thursday game, Friday no. snow, well, Saturday 80. It can happen. That happens in the mountains. So, But for right now, we're looking 70 at game well, it, time. It is April, so there is a chance at some point there could be a snow out. It could be. Well, I mean, it snows in May sometimes. Coors Field. Do they have the little thing on the outside where the stadium turns blue if it's frozen inside? Yeah. I know. I never noticed that, but I don't know that they need that because their colors are purple, so it kind of goes with the whole. I know, but it's like <laughs> I would think that the that Coors would do some kind of a cross promotion oh, with they them. They totally could. Like their cans, yeah. the blue it turns blue if it's cold and ready to be. I don't know. That's something that it's they may have to think like, about now that Nolan Arenado is gone. Anything <laughs> to get people in. That's it. Oh, it's not blue. It should be nice in the stadium today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we'll take a look now at the Dodgers. The Dodgers roster looks really similar to last season. The big names are back. Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager. These guys are all back in there. Of course, we know Clayton Kershaw is back. Walker Bueller, uh, Trevor Bauer is uh, a new part of that. What's uh, what's the rest of the pitching rotation going to look like? So we know it's going to be Kershaw. Kersh is always always first. He's starting today, and then Bueller, Bauer, and now this is where there's some probably maybe some surprises at least for the fifth spot. Um, Julio Urias is fourth. And Dustin May picked up that fifth slot. Nice. Which means they're going to have a really good-looking bullpen. David Price is coming out of the pen. Tony Gonsolin's coming mm -hmm. out of the pen. Jimmy Nelson, yep. I think, is also coming out of the pen. There's three guys who all have um, long experience as starters. So you'll be able to put them in. If you have one of your pitchers has a short outing, you have three potential long relievers kenley's back in the closer role yeah that's what dave roberts so they said. say i mean he he's high on kenley uh, and kenley hasn't looked too bad during spring training i don't put a lot of stock in spring training i know there were people that were like trevor bauer had a 4.42 era in spring training and he's gonna suck this year i don't know how <laughs> You know, spring. Training. You know, how many players don't have great springs and have incredible seasons? Right. 
and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so out of the pen. I'm just thinking that Bruce Dark Gratterall's got to be at a point soon. Yeah, so. Where he's serious contention for that closer role, if you're going to have a closer. Right. Well, and you have, so Bruce Dark Gratterall and Joe Kelly, once again, they're not ready. They're mm-hmm. on the injured list. And I'm not really sure what's going on with Joe Kelly. We never know. This happened last time, last year. How many windows did he break at home? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we just don't know. Like, what is his injury? They're never specific. Um, Brewster Gratterall, he had some issues. So they're still trying to get into like finish a spring training because they never they started late so sometime you know but we also have like victor gonzalez in the pen right really good so yeah the bullpen Corey canable Corey canable they all look really you know it looks like a good solid bullpen now one thing that i thought might happen didn't however he is on the taxi squad and that's dj peters I thought he had had a decent spring uh, that would put him in there, but really his spot went to Zach McKinstry, honestly, because it kept Edwin Rios and Matt Matt Beatty. I know. He's one of those guys that when he plays, you're like, oh, he's so good, but you can never remember his name. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Zach McKinstry uh, will basically take Kike's spot the outfield, Chris Taylor's uh, considered an outfielder. So you got A.J. Pollock, Cody Bellinger, and Mookie Betts. When you look at the lineup, it really looks the same. Yeah. I think the, the question for me is always going to be second base because we know, and I have to resign myself to the fact, that Gavin Lux is probably going to use the everyday second baseman. Well, right now, there's no probably. He's... No. He's the man. Well, I know, but okay. He is the, I have to go to counseling now. He is the second baseman for the Dodgers. Um, not probably, but he is, unless he. Well, you can only you know, always hope issues that he gets a case of the see. yips and Zach McKinstry takes over. Yeah, that's and true. plays so well that they don't give it back to him with the bat this year or this spring yeah. Gavin Lux has looked better more consistent defensively he's still yeah he really has I, I I'm going to use the term a liability and I don't know that that's the place where you want a liability too much gets hits into that area so unless you're in the shift when Justin Turner's going to be playing more of the second base than him and maybe playing every day and getting the reps, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sure about him defensively. Yeah, that's my biggest question is, you know, I've seen him um, during spring training. He looked really good offensively, defensively, not so great. Some things that were, you know, that you, he shouldn't have missed or, you know, just little, just mistakes here and there. Yeah, so, but maybe with him playing every day. It will help him maybe get his confidence if he's lacking in confidence defensively. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to lack. I mean, just in the way he works. I mean, maybe right. we're not in his head, but I would. I would like to see if he's going to be there every day. 
um, I would like to see him on the Pirates <laughs> instead. Um, I would agree. I would agree with that. A couple of questions that are, are going to come up this season. Uh, first off, Corey Seager. Is this his last year as a Dodger? I think the Dodgers, and I'm really hoping and crossing my fingers, but I'm really hoping that the, the Dodgers will keep him. I can't see anybody else in that role for the Dodgers other than Corey Seager. Um, and he's looks, he was so good during spring training. Just, and you know, he was MVP of the World Series. Why wouldn't you want to keep a player like that? No, that's a good question. And really, I think the only the only shortstop that most people felt was comparable that you might go after in place of him would be probably Francisco Lindor. And I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. He could be a free agent at the end of this season do the one done with the Mets right but I feel like they're going to put a, a they're going to put an effort in to signing him to an extension to go long term and why not I think uh, I think New York's probably a good place for for him and he's about the only one I mean there's some others I, I at one point I probably would have thought a couple seasons ago Trevor Story might be a better but since he's come back from his Tommy John surgery, he talked about building up in confidence, which he had some. He was he was there, but after that injury, he's come back and he's stronger and better uh, than than he was. And I I think that if you unless you're gonna go and get put somebody new in or move like Gavin Lux over to short, because he was more of a shortstop before. Yeah then I I don't see why you go anywhere else. Yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, yeah, because he had Tommy John surgery. He had hip surgery at the same time. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he looks so good. He's so strong and um, good defensively, great offensively. Um, it just doesn't, you know, it wouldn't make sense um, for the front office to not sign him right and they're going to have a lot of a lot of contracts coming off here in the next couple of years that they don't necessarily have to replace so we'll see what happens Kershaw being one of those uh, but I don't think I'm ready or you're I'm sure you're not ready to talk about Kershaw not being a Dodger or what it would take to keep him Um, who knows The other guy that's going to be coming up on a new contract here in the next couple of seasons is Cody Bellinger. And we were kind of talking about him the other day, uh, just briefly about where's he at? He, he hit, he became an MV. He's an MVP quick last season in his terms would have been a down season based on being the MVP the season before. Uh, I see that in the spring he's kind of changed his his batting stance back to being a little more open than whatever was going on last season. Not twisting his ankle around 180 degrees. Right. The question is, 
is he already plateauing? Or was that just one of those things? Just one of those years? I hope it was just one of those years. I I don't, I mean, he's young and I, you know, you hope that this, you didn't, that we already just saw what he's capable of. He played so well in the playoffs and, um, you know, defensively um, had some good moments um, at the plate, but again, was having issues there. So it's hard to tell. And now he's had uh, shoulder surgery in the off season. And I don't know if he's at full strength yet because it took well, him a little while. Well, some of the swings while. he's taken, you would think he's at full strength. Uh, I just saw him the other day. He he still had that the one issue. Remember his biggest issue there a couple of years ago, uh, and before his MVP season. But we saw it a, we saw it less during the MVP season. Uh, we saw it quite a bit last year of not keeping his head down and on the ball. That how many times was he looking to see who was over uh, behind the dugout? whose cutout was behind the dugout on, you know, the first base side because he was constantly turning his head. And I saw him do that a few times uh, in the games versus the Angels during the freeway series. And that, I didn't see him a lot while they were in Arizona. But what I've seen, he's he's doing that a, a lot more. And he's not, he doesn't seem to be focused in like he was in 2019. Now, he can get that back. I don't think that's a problem. I think that's more of a mental issue and a, and a, and a um, discipline thing than it is that he's lost any of his ability. So I'm wondering if Cody Bellinger was affected by the cutouts. Um, I'm hoping that's the case because he played a lot better when they were in Texas in front of fans. So... Um, that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. I, you know, I, I know that that's a thing and you get charged up. I've played in front of people and when people are screaming for you, yelling for you, you're, you're more fired up, but, and maybe it's just because I don't do that every day. And you know, every job that I've had, nobody's standing there cheering you on as nice as that would be. In fact, in a few jobs, I've had people standing over there telling you what a bad job you were doing, even though you were doing it perfect. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's like, you know what, you're still, you're getting to play baseball and it doesn't matter if the people aren't there, the people aren't there. That shouldn't affect how you play, but. Right. It, but. it shouldn't. Um, and there's, you know, as much as I, I really like Cody Bellinger. He has that look about him that he's, there's something else going on. I'm not quite sure what. Um, I mean, he's a really good ball player, but you don't want to plateau at, you know, how is he, 25, 26? Marvin Gaye is in your head as soon as you see him. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What do you do? What'd you do before? What'd you do before the game, uh, Cody? I was hanging with my friends, Cheech and Chong. (laughs) 
He looks like he just woke up. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I hate to say that, but I mean, it really. He just has that look, and you're just like, okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, he. He, he really, yeah, it really does. So he really needs to, because what could happen, I could totally see if he doesn't have, um, you know, if he continues on this path, he won't be a Dodger much longer. That's And that's what I'm wondering. And at that point, you know, who will step into his shoes? Who knows that they're building somebody up and somebody would happily come there if uh, if he's not going to be the guy to contribute like he has and well and that was one of the things when I was thinking about roster spots is I really thought DJ Peters would be on the roster because I thought well he could be in center field with um you know if Cody needs to take a time out on the bench um or is having you know issues with shoulder whatever because he, you know, definitely during spring training showed that he's um, he's capable, more than capable. Oh, yeah, no. But what will happen is, is A.J. Pollock will slide, right? Chris Taylor will play center field. But D.J., like I said, we know he's on the taxi squad because he wasn't assigned to Oklahoma City. He was assigned to the alternate training site. Right, exactly. All right, so how do the Dodgers? How do the Dodgers look in the West? Well, I think the Dodgers are going to win the West again. I know that there's a lot of hype with the Padres. Um, I just there's something about the Padres with all of the moves that they've made. It, it just, I just don't think that they're there yet. That they're it, gonna. It does feel like maybe they're. Something just short. Yeah. There's something that, you know, it's almost like they like try too hard to get all these pieces, but they're still not, it's not cohesive. Whereas the Dodgers, I think, are cohesive. You know, they're... I see exactly what you're saying. And I agree with you that the one thing that the Padres don't have, even with the pieces they have, they could get to where the Dodgers are, mm-hmm. but it's going to take time. The Dodgers won eight NL West division titles. They won the NL championship, but it took them three times to win the World Series. So they had to put it together. Mookie Betts became that last piece that kind of helped. The pitching came together. But really, like when we say it, we look at a team that is pretty solid and almost the same, and they actually got better with Trevor Bauer. And they still have pieces. When you look at the, the players that have come up, or that we were talking about DJ Peters and Zach McKinstry being two of them. You'd lost Jock Peterson, who was a big part, and Kike, who played almost every day. And you haven't lost a step. 
and the guys that are coming in to fill in behind them. So they built up a good system. They find good replacements that aren't necessarily high price players other than Mookie. You know, and then take care of them. That's the one thing. With When you have Corey Seager, who people thought he was going to be great, but who knew he was going to be this? Eventually, the Padres, if they can hold it together and maybe pick up another piece here or there, could get there. But it's going to be the gelling of the team and the experience. And they don't have the experience yet. Yeah. So... For me, looking at the West, I think it's the Dodgers, and then I think it's the Padres, and then the Giants, because the Giants are quietly putting, you know, adding some pieces here and there, and they didn't do too, you know, last year they didn't do too bad. They kind of came on, they had a little bit of a surge, started playing really well. They were hovering around a spot to maybe pick up one of those third yeah. playoff spots. That so I think um, the Giants, then you got the... Well, and you got you to gotta watch the Giants because Farhan Zaidi, right. who was the GM under Andrew Friedman, he knows how that works. He came from Tampa yep. Bay with him. So they he's got the idea of how to do that, and he's shaping to his own process, but... He's got that core, uh, so they're very. They should be very similar like that at some point once he can build up the system the way he wants. Yeah. So, um, and then I have the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, and I think they could be interchangeable. <laughs> it could be the Rockies. It could be the Diamondbacks. But either one is going to be at the end. If Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story. Both have career years. Their pitching is average. Yeah. They could definitely take that four spot. I agree with that. The first three I have the same. But I think the Diamondbacks, based on how they played last year, um, will probably be that fourth team. And the Rockies, just because of internal strife, Trevor Story's yeah. probably going to be that's... gone before the end of the season, yeah. uh, leaving Charlie Blackman and Josh Fuentes to be, you know, the guys. Herman Marquez, I guess, will be your, you know, your guys. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, really, I mean, because you think about, you know, who, who, who's the Rockies other than, you know, Bud Black, of the manager, and then, like, if Charlie you ask somebody... Charlie Blackman, yeah. Because even Trevor Story is is not a name that you would know. Like, you know, the casual baseball fan or, I mean, you really, there's nobody on the team that's just, you know. Yeah, not even Charlie Blackman, really, when you think about it. Yeah, really, not, yeah. Not on a a league-wide or a nationwide thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. And now, and, and the Rockies in fifth. Now, at the beginning of the season, or the beginning of spring training, Fangraphs put out a, uh, a thing that said what the p- percentages to make the playoffs. Not the World Series, not to win anything, just to make the playoffs. And at the point that they right. did that, there was one team that was 0%. And we'll get to that a little bit later. 
I just looked earlier today, and the Rockies are also at 0% <laughs> to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's sad. They've got a great stadium. Coors Field is just a great stadium to watch baseball in. They have a good fan base there in Denver. And then they get the front office with their buyer's remorse. And then you go and watch the isotopes play. And a lot of those guys, they've been in the minors forever. I mean, they're 32. They're 34. I mean, they were, I was at one game in 2019 and they were losing like 14 to six. So then I was like bored trying to figure out, okay, how old is this guy? Holy cow, he's 35 years old in the minors. That's who the Rockies have. Not a great farm system. No. Nope. How many of these guys are getting call-ups? Not very many. Are they just there fielding the team <laughs> in Springfield, Albuquerque? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. It, it's just, it's sad. So I would think that at some point the Rockies are going to have to just have a major shakeup. To even starting with ownership. Right. <laughs> yeah. It would have to be ownership and go from there. So we'll see how the Dodgers uh, do in their first series of the season versus the Rockies. And we both agree they're probably going to take the NL West without an issue. And a little bit later, we'll take a look and see if any of the Dodgers might be your way too early pick for the MVP or the Cy Young. Only time will tell. The greatest thing about spring is that every single team has the same record. They do. Opening day, everybody's zero and zero. Everybody's excited about what the season could bring. And the most hopeful of fans, the diehards at the beginning are all looking, saying, even when you know their shortcomings, any big play could be what was going to turn your season around and give you a chance. The Angels have a chance to go to the World Series as of today. Yeah, definitely. They are going to be one to watch. Now, as of tomorrow, they may not even have a chance to go to the playoffs. But for today, and I think that unlike past seasons where we started with the A's or the Mariners, we're going to get a team who is a true contender to start the season uh, with the White Sox. And like we talked about the Dodgers, the Angels' main position player part of their roster looks a lot like it did last year. All this, the, the main players are coming back. The guys who had big years last year, uh, most of them are all there. David Fletcher, obviously, is the first name. Mike Trout, who once again finished in the top five. He's never finished outside the top five in his career in MVP voting. Uh, Justin Upton. They're looking good. One of the main pieces that we've talked we talked about last week that's no longer with the Angels, uh, Andrelton Simmons. Simba is now with the Twins. But the guy that we picked up in a trade from Baltimore, Jose Iglesias, is um, a good replacement. 
He's just defensively, he is Andrelton-esque. So we we that we got we got a good deal in putting him there. Of course, we got Anthony Rendon, who we know could be solid. I saw the year last year. David Fletcher will be in at second base. Uh, Jared Walsh, who came off a great month at the end of the season, incredible month. He is uh, going to be uh, platooning first base with Albert Pujols, who's back in the last season um, of his, potentially his career, but at least of this contract that he's been under. And a lot of people, I'm sure, will be happy to see him go if he decides to keep playing elsewhere. But it'll be cool to see what he can do and see if he can catch uh, A-Rod on the home run list. Uh, I I don't think so. A fraud is a good 30 plus ahead of him. So it's going to, it's going to take a lot. He hit well during spring. Uh, Max Stassi is back. We also have a great backup uh, or co-catcher if you want to do that. Cause Joe Madden does like to do a platoon there with Kurt Suzuki was happy to come and play in Southern California and to be an angel. So we've got some big names there. Dylan Bundy is back. We still have Andrew Heaney, Uh, Griffin Canning, Jose Quintana, and Alex Cobb round up our five, plus Shohei. Shohei's pitching, a lot of people think because he's thrown harder this season, he's thrown more consistently this spring, that he's really going to have an impact. Now, he's going to pitch on Sunday versus the White Sox. I'm not sure about Shohei. His ERA through through the spring was over seven. He had some good moments. He hit the ball hard. I'm not sure if he's going to be solid two-way player. Dexter Fowler that's going to be out and right. Joe Adele went on his way. Uh, another guy that we picked up that was will be added to the uh, roster uh, or is added to the roster, uh, Juan Lagares, who was a New York Met for most of his career, Gold Glover in 2014, but's had a lot of injury problems and other issues. Uh, has looked good throughout the spring. They let John Jay go, who was another outfield candidate. So that's good. And then um, we got another guy out of out of the blue. Uh, Luis Renifo was sent down. Franklin Barreto, who we got in trade last year, is injured, and I think he would have been sent down. So Jose Rojas who is an Anaheim native, went to high school there, was an Angels fan growing up, was added to the team, and he will be our utility infielder. So it's going to be interesting. The other big thing is just the other day in the bullpen that will have Rizel Iglesias as the closer, Mike Myers, who had a strong year last year, Alex Claudio, who we picked up uh, as a free agent, um, looks like Aaron Slieger is going to come in, but we we uh, we picked up Tony Watson. You remember him as a Dodger? He was I do. With, That's uh, a the... really good pickup, I think. When I saw that, I was excited for the Angels because he was really was, good with the Dodgers. I was amazed. I guess the Phillies told him he wasn't going to make the team, so he opted out of the minor league contract, and the right. Angels picked him up. Uh, another one, Steve Sehas. I mean, Seacheck. Seashek. Yeah, not. <laughs> uh, who also was another was another player who uh, opted out of a minor league contract with the Astros when they said he wasn't going to make the team. 
uh, and they picked up both of them and a guy from Miami, uh, James Hoyt from Miami, who still has option. So that makes him a, a, a good pickup because you can send him down if need be. And they'll join, like I said, Alex Claudio, Mike Myers, Junior Guerra uh, will all be in the bullpen. Now, I noticed that um, a guy that had been in the bullpen, um, Ty Buttry, was, um, was he let go? Was he sent down? Uh, no, he was, he was option. Option, he was that's sent what down. it was. Okay. He, um, he had a tough, a tough spring. He's... He's one of those, he's like the typical angel pitcher. He has brilliance for a while, and then he has some issues, and you're mad at him, and then he pitches really well. So they send him down. Uh, I think eventually he'll get to a spot where he's back up, or they'll let him go because he's out of options, and they're just he's just yeah. not not just picking it up. One of the, I was going to say, one of the things I, I noticed when I, um, would watch uh, spring training games. And I, I don't just, you know, in spring training, I just didn't watch just the Dodgers, you know, watch some here and there. Um, but when I watched the Angels, they looked more comfortable um, than they did last season. Um, we talked about Mike Trout and how he's comfortable with this swing, which still makes me laugh because <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. Um, but he seems to be more relaxed than he was last season. And maybe because it was, you know, we didn't know what was going on with COVID and his wife was pregnant. And, you know, there's lots of personal, I think, things going on. But now he looks good. Um, Albert Pujols still looks great. And you just have like your infield is, you know, you know who is where and you're outfield. Um, so they just looked a good team, you know, like they were a solid team. Throughout the spring, they were really good at being patient at the plate. And in fact, in in one of the games, I think it was the Monday night game between the uh, in the freeway series. Typical first at bat for David Fletcher. He ended up popping out, but he made it like an eight or nine pitch at bat. And Julio was throwing some pretty good stuff up there. Julio Udias was pitching that night. And they said, here's what, you know, if you're if you're behind batting behind him, that very first up, you you he made Julio throw all of his pitches. Mm-hmm. So you start seeing he's he's so patient up there. And I started seeing that throughout the season. Albert more patient than he has been. Um, you know, Trout, he's always been pretty patient. There's things he wants to be better. He wants to finally win the gold glove. So, you know, there's all those pieces. And as long as you have that, Justin Upton, seeing the ball better, more patient. They're not swinging at things they they swung at last year. On one of the games on the freeway series, um, I think it was one of the Angels announcers was talking about Mike Trout and how he said, the pitcher has to beat me three times. I only have to beat him once. And so if every batter has that mentality, you know, going up to the plate, knowing you just need to get the one hit because the pitcher's got to th- throw you, you know, get you out three, at least, you know, three strikes. Right. So I thought that was interesting um, that he's consistent. Yeah, that's a good perspective. Yeah. The team 
looks solid. If they can take that mentality into spring, it, it can help. And I don't think anybody looks at the Angels lineup and says they can't score a lot of runs. The downfall is the pitching. And while you have some pitchers on there who can be good, Andrew Heaney can be great, but can also be terrible. Griffin Canning is getting more consistent. The question will be, Shohei, when he does pitch, what what's how's that going to be? And then uh, Quintana and Cobb. How are they going to um, play out? Are they going to be Quintana? Will he go back, return to prior greatness, I guess, for lack of a better term? And then Alex Cobb, can he do like Dylan Bundy did and find a home pitching in Anaheim? His problem has always been more so the injuries than simply pitching. So we'll see how that works. Now, before we go on and kind of take a look where I think the Angels are going to end up or where we think the Angels are going to end up uh, in this season in the standings, uh, one of the clouds that have been hanging over the Angels organization, not necessarily causing issues, but it is something that could cause an issue later on down the road, is this whole thing with Mickey Calloway. And we didn't talk about it last week, but... For anybody that doesn't know, Mickey Calloway, pitching coach, was suspended on the 2nd of February when there were all these allegations of sexual harassment and other things like that that came out that was, as people said, was the worst kept secret in baseball. It started back when he was with the Indians through his time with the Mets. Not so much, there's not a lot being said about him with the Angels, but it's probably happened there too. And I think you told me the other day is something about the players' wives. Yeah, so in Cleveland, even the players' wives knew to stay away from Mickey Calloway because of his behavior. Um, and it was behavior towards, you know, female reporters but it wasn't just, you know, reporters, it was females in general. So interns in the front office, as you said, it was the worst kept secret. And we mentioned, you know, when we talked about Francisco Lindor going to the Mets and how there's a lot of problems in Cleveland, this is one of those problems because there's something deeper going on in Cleveland that stems from maybe the culture, maybe what was, you know, happening there when Mickey Calloway was there. And it's still, still lingering, it, it seems. This, these issues of men harassing women have been going on for ever and were more accepted. I think all you got to do is go back and watch like Mad Men. Right, yeah. And, and you can see it happening there. You can see this harassment in the workplace. We know these things have been going on. Uh, and, and obviously, they still, they're still coming to the surface. He has denied that he's done any of those things. Um, I know that he had a nickname that I won't say here. People have these texts, these lewd photos. 
He said he denies all of that. He says he did have some extramarital affairs that his wife is aware of and that were consensual. Anything that happened was consensual, but he never harassed anybody. And because he denied it, he's under investigation. So he's been suspended pending this investigation, which I guess is still going on two months later. And for the time being, Matt Wise who was the bullpen coach, is the pitching coach. And he's gotten involved with all that. So if it stays like that, because you figure Matt Wise was the pitching coach when spring training started. So if Mickey Calloway's not there part of anything, Matt Wise is in there and it stays that way, then you're fine. The problem, I think, comes is if for some reason he's exonerated of this and he comes back to work and then I'm, I'm assuming they have similar theories and, and ideas. But if Mickey Calloway comes back and says, no, we're supposed to be pitching this way, that could throw things off and that could be an issue. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, it's just one of those things that, you know, we haven't heard anything. It's, like you said, it's still being investigated. But one thing that was really interesting, and this is going back to Cleveland, you know, I talked about the players' wives, but also Terry Francona's son put out a statement yeah. that was really, you know, to me, kind of explosive, um, saying, you know, hey, you know, my dad's been sweeping stuff under the rug, and he, not only he has, but other people. And I just think for the Angels, they look really good. They don't need Mickey Calloway. And maybe they he just needs to step aside. Well, yeah. Because any team he's going to go to, or if he ever was to be hired, there's always going to be that. He, it's tainted. He's tainted. Is he more tainted than A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora? No, I... No, I think that A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora are tainted, too. I don't even think that they should be in uh, Boston and or Detroit and and Boston Um, because what they did. But isn't it isn't it different? It's not different. I think I mean, when you do something, whether it's, you know, are a womanizer or you're cheating, which is the, you know, you're, you're doing something that's not professional. You're putting a stain on the game. Then you don't deserve to be in the game. Didn't Mickey Calloway get hired after they fired Carlos Beltran? Yeah. By the Mets. Right. So, yeah. And he was fired because he was part of that cheating scandal and, and he was replaced by Mickey Calloway. Yeah. Again, goes back to you know, people know and or knew and they just, you know, well, you know, he'll he'll be better, you know, or whatever. Now, I will say, you know, I said when you put a stain on the game, this does not apply to Pete Rose. I <laughs> I still feel that Pete Rose <laughs> belongs in the Hall of Fame. But I you know, I think it's different. Um I, I he wasn't cheating, but um I don't know. It's just, it's a tough one. Right. He didn't cheat the game from the sense of how he played or what he did. He didn't throw games. Right. 
I just had to put that in there because I was like, well, hold on, I got to put a, a disclaimer in there for Pete Rose. <laughs> All right, so the Angels are, are, the AO West, I think, again, can look very similar to last season. The Angels have a chance to disrupt. They're in the top three. The question is, are they one or two, or are they back at three again? And a lot of that's going to depend on the pitching. Also, can they remain patient? Can they, that offense, we know, can be high-powered. Can they really put it together and do that? But the pitching has to be average to above. If everybody goes out and pitches a, a, a decent game every time out, and if we don't see what's happened like in the past few seasons where one one part of the pitching staff is depleted, where the starters are having a hard time and the relievers are coming in and working overtime and then are worn out. And when the starters finally start picking it up, the relievers are not able to hold it down on their end. We need a... a, a equal effort and we need the starters to start out strong and the and not let the the relievers get overworked early on it's going to be a long season and you know one question will the players that didn't pitch at all last year benefit from a full year off less wear on their arm or Will they be rusty and take a little while longer to shake off the cobwebs? And with that, um, where do you think the Angels end up in the AL West? I actually have the Angels winning the AL West. I think they can do it this year. I mean, I, it's probably really optimistic, but I think if all of those pieces come together, they could be the surprise and win the AL West. Okay. I I can I can I mean, see that. It, I mean there the, the possibilities are there, but I think the operative term is if all the pieces come together. That sentence right there yes. uh, makes it harder to fully buy into. And then and then what does the rest yeah. of the West look like if the Angels are leading the way, which I'm happy with that. Well, so I have the so I have the Angels and then I have the A's. Um, I put the Astros as third. I don't, they seem, I'm not too sure about the Astros this year and how they're going to, how it's all going to work out for them. Um, and then I have the Mariners and then the Rangers. Okay, well, I'm with you on the last two, the Mariners and the Rangers. I, the Rangers, I think, uh, are uh, a rebuild. They gave away... They they sent off, you know, two of their better pitchers from last year, and one of them even wasn't that good. But Lance Lynn is now a White Sox. Um, right. So that, that really changes up how the White Sox mm -hmm. look, but it doesn't help the Rangers at all. Uh, Mike Miner, who was there, who was one of the betters, he was yeah. he's off somewhere else. So that's that sounds about I think right. He's a royal so he's now. off doing his thing. And, you know, Joey Gallo can have a big year. The one guy who's probably 
you know, their one bright spot's going to be uh, Kiner Falafel, who's going to be their shortstop. He's, Isaiah's probably going to be that one guy. He'll probably be the team MVP, uh, provided he stays healthy. And I, I guess that's, you know, the thing for every team. Can they stay healthy? But they're going to be down at the bottom. The Mariners are probably stuck in fourth place simply because one, two, and three are just that far ahead of them. They're, they're a tier up, I think, uh, than them. However, based on what's going on there uh, in Seattle, next season, the season after, uh, expect them to be making a push towards the top. Uh, especially if Jerry DePoto can continue to build the way he has. Uh, and Kyle Lewis, uh, I think, is going to have uh, a bigger year this year than he did last year as the Rookie of the Year. So you get that. Um, the A's is who I put in third place. Um, a lot of people say that they're, you know, could be one or two, but probably second. Um, I think that they're more at third. I'm not real sure. Although Chapman's back after last year and his issue, um, you still have the corners, Matt, the, the Matt's in the corners, Olsen and Chapman. And then you brought in Elvis Andrews, who's a, a great veteran shortstop. You've got the pieces. They always seem to put together a decent team. I just don't know if they have enough. And they're pitching. Mike Fires coming back. He can be solid when he wants, but I, I'm not finding that their pitching is going to be uh, up to par on what they need. In second place, uh, unfortunately, I have to go with the Angels. I don't think that they have enough this season to overtake the Asterix. As much as that pains me to say, the Asterix are still a stronger team, even without George Springer. Their pitching is still the best in the American League West with Grinky, Christian Javier. Eventually, eventually Fromber Valdez is going to come back. And he was a solid workhorse for him last year. And then, of course, Lance McCullers, who we'll talk a little bit more coming up. So I think the Astros are going to take the West. Uh, the Angels, while I agree with you, they very well could. It's going to take a, a big effort by their pitching staff mostly, but they're going to have to hit too. And they don't always do that. Even with all that firepower, we saw them go cold a lot over the last couple of seasons. And like I said, we're off to the races opening day. Everybody's playing first time in two years. We got a, uh, a opening day. On opening day, traditional opening day, and everybody is playing. And it's going to be a regular season where all the American League teams are going to play all the American League teams, all the National League teams are going to play all the National League teams. And unfortunately, once again, everybody's going to play their own division in interleague play. So we got to do another year of West versus West, as far as the Dodgers and the Angels are concerned. And the rest of them, Central, Central, East, East. So the big thing I think that uh, is going to affect um, a few of these teams uh, will be 
injuries right out of the gate, and the White Sox got hit with a big one. Yeah, um, Eloy Jimenez, he ruptured his left pectoral tendon. Um, He's going to have to have surgery, and he's expected to miss five to six months. So that's a big one for the White Sox. You also have the Tampa Bay Rays, um, Nick Anderson. He suffered a partial tear of his elbow ligament. He's going to be out for at least four months. And um, then you go up to, well, I was going to say you go up north, but you actually go to Florida for the Blue Jays. And their right-handed reliever that they had signed, Kirby Yates, he had Tommy John surgery. So he's out for the season. And part of next. Yep. I did notice, too, that uh, I don't know where he's at, if if things, uh, if he's updated, but uh, G-Man Choi of the Rays had a uh, had a bit of an issue as well. Uh, Luke Voigt from the Yankees is going to miss uh, the first few days of the year. He's got a knee injury. Yeah, I did see that. And then looking towards contract extensions, there's a lot of guys that are talking with their um, clubs. And one that that has actually come to an agreement is Lance McCullers Jr. of the Asterix. Um, he's agreed to a five-year contract extension. The extension is going to begin next season, 2022. He is reportedly guaranteed $85 million and will receive a limited no-trade clause. The other Asterix that has some extension talks going on is Carlos Correa. Not sure what's going on there. To be honest, don't really care. (laughs) Not my favorite. Carlos Correa was offered, I think, like a six-year, $120 million extension. And he basically said, doesn't seem like you guys really want me to be here long term then. And which... Take away that it's Carlos Correa. If you took his name off of it and you just looked at his numbers and that he's not a, an asterisk, you'd probably sign him for more. But as far as I'm concerned, DFA. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good to me. I think um, they, I saw a May 1st date um, of them maybe coming back to talk about extensions. Um, and I could, you know, I can see some of these guys with these extensions, especially looking at, you know, like Fernando Tatis Jr., but Carlos Correa is nowhere near um, Tatis Jr.'s status, um, I, I don't think. And the other one I think that's interesting is Anthony Rizzo. Now, he was in um, contract talks because he'll be a free agent next season with the Cubs. And he told his agent, you know what? I just want to focus on this season. We'll worry about it later. So we'll see what happens with uh, Rizzo. The initial offer for Rizzo was five years, $70 million. I'm sure he's looking for a little bit more. Seems a little low. Yeah. Especially if Carlos Correa could get that amount. Yeah. And maybe he means more to Houston than apparently really Rizzo does to... Now, what's interesting with the Cubs is you got Anthony Rizzo, uh, Chris Bryant, and Javier Baez that will all be free agents at the end of this season. 
So if the contract talks, you know, if they don't go any further, um, we could see all three of these guys playing somewhere else. Sure enough. Uh, one more thing the Mets are going to have to do without Robinson Cano all season long. If you remember, he uh, was suspended for the whole season for PEDs. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Um, and you know why yeah. you forgot about it? Because it's Robinson Cano or... Well, there's <laughs> that. The Mets. They got Francisco Lindor. <laughs> right. And other pieces. And Robinson yeah. Cano really doesn't matter anymore as far as the future success of the Mets. Yeah, that's true. And He's I was just playing say, out the string. Missed a season before or half a season or, you know, uh, he, he missed a lot. I his... think he did one of those 80 game. Yeah. Suspension. So he half the season just didn't yeah. learn his lesson. All right. So we mentioned earlier the fan graphs thing at the beginning of the season, they put it out and one team didn't was not going to make the playoffs. And that one team had a little bit of an issue with it. And that team was my favorite ball to kick around, I guess, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. They had a 0% chance of making the playoffs in any form. I, I believe that not only have the Rockies been added since, but also the Pirates at 0%. However... yeah. I can see that. The Orioles complained on Twitter, and Fangraphs felt the need to make them feel better about it, or themselves better about it, or simply to point and laugh at the Baltimore Orioles when they came back with a new Fangraph that had every team but the Orioles at a 100% chance to make the playoffs, and the Orioles still at zero. Fun and games. I think that was the latter point and laugh. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know if mom ever told you that. She said laughing's okay as long as you don't point. Oh, to which okay. I said, that's just no fun. She goes, yeah, you're probably right about that. It's more fun to point and laugh. <laughs> All right. So let's um, jump to some conclusions here. Let's take a look and uh, pick out our division winners We'll start in the uh, the NL with the NL East. I'm going to go with the Mets. I figured, why not? You know, they've made a lot of some moves. They got Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco from the Indians, you know, some moves here and there. Why not? Let's see if uh, Steve Cohen, yeah, I mean, let's see if, you know, if he can, you know, he spent, uh, spent a lot of money. Probably, he probably has more to spend. So I think, uh, yeah, I went with the with the Mets. I think this is a good start for them, and probably next year, especially if they hold on to Lindor, and with uh, Thor coming back next season, uh, Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I mean their pitching staff is is great, so that's going to be a a key for them, um, and you know all the other pieces are solid. I'm going to stick with the Braves. I think that while I don't expect Freddie Freeman to be the MVP again. I do believe that they still have solid pieces. If you've got Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzie Albies, who are both strong, you know, especially Acuna, whose MVP 
quality candidate as well. Um, and Charlie Morton's going to be a good addition with Max Freed this year in the pitching staff. Uh, he doesn't have to do a whole lot, but he's going to be solid for him, I'm pretty sure. So I'll go with the Braves. Who do you look at in the Central? I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I just, the Cardinals just, they, it's probably the easy pick for me, but um, I think they, they have a lot of pieces that they, you know, their team was pretty much the same. They have the addition of Nolan Arenado. I know Colton Wong isn't there, but I, I think they could take the Central again. I concur with that. I think that uh, Paul Goldschmidt can have uh, another good year. He's an, he's an MVP caliber player. Um, like you said, Yachty's back. Adam Wainwright for another season. The team is strong. Nolan Arenado's going to want to come out and prove to the Rockies and all of baseball that the Rockies made a mistake, including the Cubs. He wants to, to let them know who's boss in the Central now because the Cubs are, are a, a team that could very well make a run for it or give them a run for their money, just like uh, the Brewers very well could after they signed uh, Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. One of the things with the Cubs, though, that, you know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, teams and their, um, you know, cohesiveness. I don't, there's something about the Cubs with issues that they've had, you know, now with Anthony Rizzo, but with Chris Bryant earlier, there's just something about the Cubs that I just, they don't seem to be all in. I'm not saying they're not, because I don't know. But there's just, you know, just reading on paper, they, I don't, they just seem to be kind of somewhere else. The players, some of the players. Yeah, they're, we're just here playing, collecting our paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about that, which doesn't say a lot about Dave Ross, unfortunately. Yeah. The, their manager. All right, so the, the Dodgers, we both picked to win the West. Uh, wild cards? Oh, man. I didn't even think of wild cards. But I think I think the Phillies could really, you know, they could possibly, if they get their act together. I mean, they got all the pieces um, pretty much. Um, so I think the Phillies could be in there. Um, I think the Brewers could be. A wild card again, but they're—I think they're better. You know, should be a little bit better than they were last season. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the Phillies and the Brewers I would look for maybe in the those wild card spots. Really, I'm surprised that you didn't pick one team. To me, was a—I didn't even think about it. I just wrote it down. As soon as I wrote wild card, I wrote Padres. Well. I guess I was thinking that was a given. Because I'm I'm sure they're <laughs> yeah. going to go. That's a given in my mind, yeah. Now, in the second slot, and while you were talking about the Phillies, it made me think about the pitching staff that they oh, have yeah. with the Nationals. Yeah. Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick yeah. Corbin, John Lester. They really, they really, mm -hmm. and then they've got Brad Hand now and out of the bullpen. Yeah. Their pitching staff improved. So and then they've got uh, they got 
uh, Josh Bell and, and Kyle Schwarber uh, and others. So they could be a lot stronger. Juan Soto well, and then, is yeah, just and amazing. How can you not throw out Juan Soto? He's one of the best in baseball right now. So they could yeah. they could play in there. And all it's going to take is for the Mets or the um, the Phillies, any of these teams in the East, to have some injury issues uh, go through a bad slump, mm-hmm. and those guys could come right through. Uh, my my other wild card team was the Mets. Uh, I went with the Braves and the Mets out of the East, and then of course the Dodgers and Padres, and then the Cardinals. That will be since we're not doing expanded playoffs this year. That would be what you have. So um, let's look at uh, the AL now. Who's uh, who's going to take the AL East? This one, I think the Yankees. I think they could um, do it again. I think they, you know, they've got DJ LeMahieu, who always looks really good. Of course, Aaron Judge. Um, pitching staff looks good. I think the Yankees. Now, I read a, a story on MLB yesterday, I think it was, and they were talking about the top 10 staff pitching staffs. And, of course, number one pitching staff, the Dodgers followed by the Padres, and this is in baseball. So the Dodgers and the Padres have the two top pitching staffs in baseball. And then number three was the Yankees. But after Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, we don't know when he'll be back. Um, James Tyon is coming off of Tommy John, so we don't know how that's going to affect them. I don't really know if, they're as good as number three. I believe that they have a team that when Luke Voigt comes back from injury, as long as Judge and uh, Stanton can stay healthy, obviously G- DJ LeMayhew, um, these guys can, can all really put it together and they can be the team to win it all. But I see too many pieces that could fall apart in their puzzle. Yeah. And so with that argument, I want to change my <laughs> my pick to the Blue Jays. I want to go with the Blue Jays. Which is who I picked. And I went with them because <laughs> you picked up a strong bat in center field with George Springer. Marcus Simeon is at your shortstop, and you still have um, a young core. Um, Pitching is going to be the uh, going to be a little bit of an issue there. Uh, Ryu, can he do like he went his year with the Dodgers? He had a short season last year, but he's never oh he's never been that durable. So we'll have to see what happens there. Ross Stripling, the pieces, but I still think that they're the stronger team when we look at the East between the Yankees and, and the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays, uh, the Dunedin, Dunedin, somewhere in Florida. Dunedin. Uh, somewhere in Florida, <laughs> Blue Jays are uh, are the team for the East. All right, I think that the Central is probably an easy one, but uh, what do you got? The White Sox. The White Sox. Really? Yeah, I think. The White Sox? The Chicago White Sox. <laughs> you didn't go with the Royals or? <laughs> mm, I was, they were in the mix at the bottom, but um, I, went, 
went with the White Sox. My first thought was White Sox. And then I thought, wait, I need to go back just a second. Look around. Consider the Twins, who still are a strong team. Yeah. But I, I still ended up with the White Sox. Even with um, Jimenez uh, being out, uh, I believe that the White Sox are still the team to be. And they're, they're getting more confident, a little more swagger. Pitching staff is better. They added Lance Lynn. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I think uh, I, I'm with yeah. you on the White Sox. Uh, the West, we each made our picks earlier. I had the Astros. You had the Angels. So what does our wild card look like? The mm, wild card. Wild card. Well, let me see here. I would go with the Yankees as a wild card possible um the twins and i guess the a's but there's only two wild cards i know but i just have it extra <laughs> no i'm gonna go with the yankees and the twins that's not uh i mean that's that's a good good pick i honestly went for wild cards that's where i went ahead and slotted the angels in being good enough but honestly it's a tough one because the twins play in the central and overall the central is not that strong um they are going to be battling with the white Sox, so it'll be that'll be an interesting uh one i think i initially wrote down the angels and the yankees as my wild cards the Twins very well could sneak in there, though. But I'm going to go ahead and stay with the Angels and the Yankees. So who's your uh, who's your NL champ? I got the Dodgers. I really... The NL champs are the Dodgers. <laughs> and then... Uh, I know that's a huge surprise, right? Yeah. But see, normally, right, and, uh, I don't like to... You know, these kind uh, of things... That's why I don't, it's a huge I surprise. I like. But, yeah, it is. I was surprised when I wrote it down. And then your AL champs? I have the White Sox. And then the World Series, who's going to take it? And in how many games? Oh. Because if we're going to do wild predictions, let's go wild. I'm going to go with the Dodgers in in five. The way you were moving your hand around, I thought you were gonna either you were either gonna be auctioning, or you were getting ready to roll <laughs> dice like Yahtzee to see. I was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so the Dodgers in five. I had the Dodgers also uh, winning the World Series uh, this season, but I have them doing it in six. Mm. All right, so now let's take some really way out, way too early predictions. National League MVP. I'm going to go with Corey Seager. I really like what I'm seeing. He's continuing on from last season. Um, he looks so good. I'm going to Corey Seager. Okay. Uh, that's who I had as well. Corey Seager. I believe he's the guy. So, somebody may go crazy on another team that we just weren't expecting, but I believe he's he's the guy who can do that. And then uh, your National League Cy Young Award winner. I got another Dodger. It is, it's really hard. I'm really hoping to see a lot from him. I'm hoping he won't have blisters. 
so that Eduardo Perez can leave him alone with the super glue. Um, <laughs> Walker Bueller. That's funny because that's exactly who I picked as well. I see him as being <laughs> the next Cy Young Award winner for the Dodgers. And he'll join, he'll be the fourth one on the same staff. Yep. Because Kirsch, David Price, and Trevor yep. Bauer. That's it. He'll be number four with that. All right, same questions in the AL. Who's your MVP? I am going to go with a huge surprise here. <laughs> I'm going to go with Mike Trout. I know it sounds crazy, and it's like so easy, but there's something different about him when I was watching him play in the freeway series and when I've seen him and he just looks more relaxed he just looks comfortable whereas last season he didn't look comfortable at all and even previous I mean he just there's something I think he's gonna have a I really want him to have and I think he can have this like awesome like tremendous season so I went with him. Well, unanimous. I went with him as well because as I looked around at everybody, if I'm going to make a pick this early on that I'm willing to stick with throughout the season, he's the only guy. Yeah. I couldn't, when I looked at every other team, somebody could come up, but I don't, I don't see it. I don't see Jose Abreu winning a back-to-back. Um, I don't. You know, when I look at, at the whole American League, there's a lot of big names out there. There's a lot of good players. I think last year I called Shane Bieber yeah. the MVP. But, no, I'm going with Mike Trout this year as well. Your Cy Young Award winner? I'm going to go, um, I think this year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Garrett Cole. Wow. I think he could, um Yeah. I think he could. I think he could. He could do it. I'm. I'm with you. So really, <laughs> that's crazy. We picked the exact same four people. Yeah. With no prior conversation about it. No, we did not text about it. We just in the production meeting. We're like, okay, we're gonna do our crazy picks, and that was the end of it. And our and everything else. I picked mine. This, uh, uh, you know, just. Uh, Monday, Tuesday time frame. So. Yeah. Me too. All right. So that's how we think the season's going to go. Obviously, there's always ups and downs. It's a long ride. Hopefully, we get in all 162. There's no issues that come up. There's no stupidity that happens that causes any kind of uh, play stoppage. The one thing that I'm excited about is that we get this whole season of baseball on the verge of a new contract collective bargaining agreement and we don't know what's going to happen there so I am going to take in this season like it's the last one ever and uh, and enjoy it you know to the maximum like I did last year yeah I know there was only 60 games, but I know I watched more than 162 last season. <laughs> I think I did too. And just the other day, the T-Mobile thing started with uh, 
uh, MLB TV again. So I'm locked in between you know my TV for one game, my iPad for another, my phone for a third. <laughs> and if uh, nobody's here, there's a couple of other devices around the house. I'll just have those up and running too. You'll have your baseball command center. I'll have my own sports bar kind of idea going on in here with TVs all over the wall <laughs> showing all the games for an audience of one. And that'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Remember, you can find us on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at SiblingRivalryBB. We're also on Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. Email us, show at SiblingRivalryBB.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. Next week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, we're off and running as we contemplate the meaning of life. Wait, wait. I thought baseball was the meaning of life. Keep your eye on the ball. And swing away. <laughs>